Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Guess what? This is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. I always like to say, and I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. You know what that tells me? To me, that says there are going to be some days when we just don't want to wake up. But when you can turn and say, but this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. And guess what makes this word so great? It doesn't say we we will rejoice and be glad in it if everything is going the way we want it to go. My children are acting right. My spouse is acting right. Everything is going good on the job. My paycheck is just, I came, I look at it and I say, man, I can't believe I'm getting paid this much money. Oh, I am just so, I'm just so amazed and so stunned that my pay keeps going up and up and up. Well, you know what? I think I'll rejoice in the Lord and be glad. No, the word doesn't say that. It simply says, but it boldly says, this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Sometimes we feel so heavy. Sometimes we feel so burdened down. We feel like when will the tears ever stop? When will the drama ever stop? When will the family chaos ever stop? We just get tied up and boggled down in the things of life. But when you can say, Lord, I'm choosing to bless your name. I'm choosing to remember what you did for me on last week. I'm choosing to remember what you did for my children, what you did in my church, what you did in my significant other's life. I choose to rejoice and be glad in it. I choose to worship you. I choose to praise you. And sometimes you, it's almost like you got to pull that praise up out of you. You got to just keep saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may not have anything specific on your mind that you're thanking him for, but because you know that whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through, you know, you have made a decision in your mind that I will choose to bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall constantly be in my mouth. It's a choice. It's a choice to live right. And it's a choice to praise him. It's a choice to worship, to worship him. There are, I'm pretty sure there are people who they don't ever say, thank you, Lord. They don't ever say, God, thank you, Lord. I bless your name. And they could believe in God just like you and I, but they don't know what it means to thank God. And they probably don't know that because they are not aware, fully aware that God is the reason why they live, they move, that they breathe, that they have a job, that they have a car, that they have a home, that they have a family that loves and cares about them. They're not aware of those things. So they may not know that they should always bless the Lord. But if you know anybody out there that's like that. Just say a prayer for them and say, God, make them consciously minded that you are the reason why they live. And then God put a praise on their lips. So that's just my that's just my intro. I like to be led by the spirit, because when you are led by the spirit, there is not 
there's not one way, there's not one reason why you can ever go wrong if you are led by the spirit. What I want to bless you with this morning is out of the book of first Samuel, when it's speaking about Hannah, many of you know, who listen to my podcast quite regularly, you know that my testimony is that God blessed me with a son at the age of 46. After having 15 or so miscarriages and one stillbirth, I lost my son in 2015 and we cremated him. And so shortly after that, I conceived my son who is now four years old. He turned four March 22nd. Bless the name of the Lord. Just bless God's name alone is worthy to be praised because from the year of probably 1999, I began seeing doctors in 1999 and I did not birth my son until March of 2019. So from 1999, up until the year that I conceived, which was in 2018, I had had so many miscarriages and one stillbirth. And I had seen so many specialists. And I got to the point before I conceived my son, I said, God, if I'm going to have a child, it's got to be from you. And I remember watching a commercial and there was a baby or some children in the commercial. And I remember sitting there getting like almost in a trance because I began to think what's wrong with me. I remember it was like something clicked inside of me and said, it's something wrong with you as a woman. You can do everything else, but you can't produce a child. And so I had to, get out of that. I had to shake that off and I had to move forward and move ahead because we know that God has a perfect timing and he has a perfect season for everything to happen in our lives. And so that is my testimony. And people have often called me Hannah, my uncle who, uh, we funeralized him last year in January, he would call me Hannah and he would remind me of how Hannah conceived a child after praying and, and things like that. But over in the book of first Samuel, it talks about Hannah and Hannah was married to a man who had children, but he had them with a woman named Paniah and Paniah would she would just, and as I'm thinking about it, I think about the women of today who sleep with married men and produce children and they flaunt those children in the, the faces of those wives. But Paniah would taunt and she would make uh, Hannah feel bad because Hannah couldn't produce children. And so this went on for a while because she had children for Hannah's husband and I want to say it was uh, not only uh, male children, but also some girl children as well, or maybe one girl child. But study it for yourself because I'm going to go back and study it also. Um, but Hannah went to God and she prayed to God and she asked God to bless her with 
a male child. And so back in those days, it was a disgrace for a woman not to be able to produce children. And it was also a bigger disgrace if she could not give her husband a male child because the male child was to carry out the legacy and the heritage of that of his father of that family and he would also inherit land so this back then that was like a really big thing so hannah prayed and she asked god to bless her with a male child and i can just imagine back then i'm imagining back then and i'm pairing it to today's society when Men who are married are having children outside of their marriage. And then that woman, that side chick wants her rights. Oh, I want to be at the head of the table at every family gathering. Me and our illegitimate children. This is just what we, this is the world we live in. Don't shoot the messenger. This is just the world that we live in. There is no, there is no godly shame. There is no humility. When things like this happen, there is no humility. There is no godly shame. But when the sin has produced a child, we want to overlook the sin and we want to place these side chicks and these side pieces and these want to be dime pieces. We want to place them and the children at the head of the table. We want them to be the center of attraction at every family gathering. We want them to be in every family photo. We want them to be on our social media page because we, after all, God does not, God does not Hold that against us because after all, God loves all of us. And because after all, we have all sinned. Yada, 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 yada. Yes, we all have sinned. But when you produce children, and we're still talking about Hannah, when you produce children who are not the children that God has anointed and that God has already purposed in mind to fulfill his promise. What we do is we take our will and we take our flesh and we take our sin and we place it above the promises of God that he already had in mind. That's what we do. I can just almost imagine back then Hannah felt like I need to have a, a child for my husband because what are the people saying if I can't produce him a child? What what how would that make me look at the family gathering if Paniah shows up with all my husband's children and here I am with no child for him? But I believe that when Hannah prayed and asked God to bless her with not just a child, but a man child, she was praying God's promise, his initial promise. Well, Keisha, well, the other kids Paniah had, you know, with his side woman, you know, he, God allowed them to live. Yeah, God allowed them to live, but you can't erase that Paniah's that Paniah's children, they were not the promised children. 
his children, his child with his wife was the promised child. And so when Hannah had her son for her husband, I believe that God's promise was fulfilled. And God had, it's a reason why God doesn't allow things to happen when we want them to happen. Perhaps, and this is Keisha's guessing, perhaps Hannah wasn't prepared yet. Perhaps it may be just maybe it may just have been God was saying your timing is not my timing. So Hannah's womb was shut up. But God was the only one who could open it. And isn't that true in our lives? We pray and we ask God for certain things. And it just seems like, God, are you hearing me? Are you listening to me? Pray, God, are you going to answer my prayer? But God doesn't let that thing come to pass. Sometimes God will not allow something to come to pass because he knows that we're not ready yet. And again, simply could it be God is God by himself. He doesn't owe us any explanation as to why he doesn't allow things to happen in our timing. God is not concerned with time where he feels like, oh, if I don't get this done right now, then, you know, everything's going to be messed up. No, God sets the time. He sets the pace. And so Hannah's story with Paniah and her husband and God shutting up her womb and then God allowing her to produce the promised child is such a reflection on what I see today. How many relationships have been torn down and destroyed because we couldn't wait on God because we didn't know how to pray and keep praying because we thought that, well, you know, God didn't allow this to happen. So this over here must be of God. This must be where God has his hand. Do not doubt God. Do not doubt his promises. Do not doubt what he wants to do for you. I don't care what everybody else is doing over here and dressing it up and making it look like God. And it just doesn't have to be for producing a child. It could be something else that we're asking God to do. But because we don't believe God, because we're not moved by the measure of faith that he has given us, we look at something else that has happened and we think, well, that must be God over there. This must be his promise being fulfilled. So I'm just going to stop asking God. I'm just going to turn off my faith. I'm just going to believe that it wasn't meant to happen. Well, if you believe that it wasn't meant to happen, maybe that means that you're believing now that you prayed amiss. When we pray in faith about something that can give God glory, hold on to that. Sometimes God may have to critique our prayers. Sometimes he may have to kind of steer us in a different direction on how to pray or change our wording a little bit. But keep believing God, because if something you're praying for is going to give God glory, hold on to your faith. Be moved by your faith. Keep going back to God. I prayed to God for almost 20 years for a child. And my prayer was this. 
God, and it was something else that went along with the prayer, but part of the prayer was this, God, I thank you for my unborn children. I dedicate them back to you. I prayed this prayer while I was in the middle of having miscarriages and some of the pregnancy tests with dates I wrote on the back, I still have to this day because I want to be able to look back and remember how much time passed until God blessed me with my promised child. So I hope that I've said something to you that has encouraged you to hold, to hold fast to whatever it is that you're believing God for. I had prayed since and had been seeing doctors since 1999. I did not conceive my son until 2018. How many years is that? You do the math. You do the math. That is how long I prayed and asked God. That is how long that I had seen doctors. Let's do the math. 99, 2000, that's one year. 23, let's see, one year, 2018. What's that? 19 year, well, like I said, almost 20 years that I had prayed and had been seeing doctors. But God is faithful. Do you know that God did not allow me to wait that long for me to have that child, for him not to have purpose on his life? And I dedicated him to God. And this is the other half of my testimony. I dedicated him to God. And I said, God, if you just allow me to bring this child to full term, I promise you that I will not raise him in an environment of stress and anger and, and, and contention and strife. But I will raise him under your word. So that means, guess what? He don't get to spend the night at everybody's house. Guess what that means? He don't get to watch everything on TV that he want to watch. He don't get to do whatever he want to do. Why? Because I have to go back and check with what the word of God says. Will we fumble when we raise our kids? Yes, we will. But if we can remember that moment that we made that promise to God, when we can remember that if we spare the rod, we spoil the child. When that enemy comes up, if you're raising your grandkids and that enemy comes up in your mind and say, Oh, just overlook that. That's what children do without even opening up your mouth, giving them a reprimand. You may not lay your hands on them. You may not put a belt to that backside, but if you don't even open your mouth and say, Hey, Hey, uh, Latuana, Hey, little Timothy. Hey, little Junebug. Hey, Shanika. You know, you're not supposed to do that. That's wrong for you to do that. This is the right way to do that. This is how you say that. If you don't even open your mouth and say nothing to them, you have missed an opportunity to mold them into the shape and the, the form of godliness that God would have you to rear your children or your grandchildren. So this message is about faith. It's about the promises of God. It's about raising our children and our grandchildren under the word of God. 
It is about not choosing something that looks like the promise because God hasn't given you your promise. Don't take a fake. Don't take a, what is it when, when women buy fake purses, a replica. Don't take a replica of God's promise and shine it up and bring it home and sit it on the, the dining room table at the family gathering. Don't pick a mate and try to make it be God. When God hasn't given you the promise yet, stop trying to make your own promise and wait on the promise. Because when you wait on the promise in faith, that little bitty mustard seed size faith, God can perform miracles with that faith. So this message is all about those things that I just named. And I pray and I hope that it has turned something on inside of you that has made you run to God. Because at the end of the day, whatever we go through, whatever we're praying for should make us run even closer to God. Pass this podcast to two people that, you know, stand in the need of a word of encouragement that that need to know that if I just keep on moving in faith, if I keep on praying, if I keep on believing, if I keep on trusting him, I know my promise is close to me. I don't have to accept what the enemy brings and sits in front of me and says, here's your promise. And you know, it's dirty. You know, it's marred. You know that it's flawed. The promises that God has for us, they are pure. They are clean. They are, they can't be easily broken. When God blesses you with his promise, nobody can take that from you because God is the one who created the promise and he's the one that gave it to you. Don't accept second best. Don't accept hand-me-downs. Don't accept something that's watered down and weak. As a replacement for your promise because you're tired of waiting. Believe God and leave it alone. Trust him and leave it alone. We are living in a very horrible time where anything goes. Anything is can be brought to the church and we say it's God. Anything because everybody wants to say that what they're doing is God. Why? Because God loves all of us. Why? Because, you know, nobody can say nothing to me because we all have seen anything goes nowadays. I, I, let me say this and then I'm going to get off. I was talking to my sissy dude this morning and we talk about God and we can get deep into it. And sometimes the spirit of God will fall on one of us and we'll just go out of conversation and into prayer. And so today was one of those days where we were kind of, you know, we were keeping it jovial and lighthearted. And we, you know, we're, we love to laugh and be silly and goofy. And so I told her we were talking about stuff that's happening in the world. And I said, you know, I can go on social media and put, make a post and say, you know, I, I've been thinking and, you know, I've been praying and, you know, I believe that God is finally giving me a revelation. I've been trying to figure out who I am in God. And, you know, I really believe that I have discovered who I am. And then I can add after that. Y'all, I believe God has told me I'm a mushroom, a mushroom. Yeah. Like, 
portobello mushrooms, caprini mushroom, like a mushroom that grows out of the ground. And so I said, I wonder how many people will respond with like, oh, girl, you know what? I've been praying to and I think I'm a mushroom. And I said that to say we the world is coming up with crazy stuff, stuff that and you you don't even have to be a Christian, have a Christian bone in your body. And you can say that that don't even make no sense. But let me tell you the seriousness of me getting on social media saying I'm a mushroom. Do you know that if I continue to post that enough and tag people in it and put it on all of my social media platforms, do you know there would, I'm a, it would probably be five people in the whole world. I'm going to say five, but I would think it would be more that would say, you know what? I think I'm a mushroom too. And I I use that very crazy example to show Anything is going now to anything. Any, you have Christian witches. I didn't know about that until I heard a woman of God talk about it. There are women who say that, well, I'm a witch, but I'm a Christian witch or they practice witchcraft. But it's, you know, well, I'm a Christian witchcraft practicer or some kind of mess like that. So if you see somebody get on social media or you happen to be Googling something and Somebody has started a, oh, I think I'm, a, I'm a mushroom. But then we even went further to say, then I can get a t-shirt made that says on the front, I think I'm a mushroom. And then on the back, it says mushroom nation, hashtag mushroom community. It's crazy out there. You better know that if you die, that when you open your eyes, you're going to see Jesus's face. You got to know that you are on the Lord's side because God is in judgment mode. And I ask my sissy do a question. How long does the world think that God is just going to continue to let all of this sin and it's getting worse and worse in sin? You, it, it, I can't even bring up all of the crazy stuff that I've heard and seen, but we think God is just sitting back with his leg crossed saying, oh, well, you know, that's, that's all right. Because, you know, after all, everybody have sin. God is a God of love. He's a God of forgiveness for a reason. He forgives us because he wants us to repent and turn to him. So he doesn't have to judge us. So he does not have to come down here and rain down wrath. God is a God of wrath. Why is God a God of wrath? Because God already knew the world was going to be wicked. So when you hear people say, well, you know, God, you know, he loves us all. Yes. Well, you know, we all have sin. Yes. But God created repentance for a reason. God is a God of wrath for a reason. God is a God who chastises those he loves. And guess who God loves? He loves the sinners and he loves the saints. God does not say he's a God of chastisement and he never chastises. God doesn't say in his word, he's a God of wrath and he never rains down his wrath. We have taken God and made him a jellyfish, jellyback God. We've made God a God with no spine. 
We've made him into be a God that doesn't judge. When God is a God of judgment, he calls himself a God of judgment for a reason. He's a God of judgment. Why? Because he's going to judge the right from the wrong. He's going to judge wickedness. He's going to judge sin. We better wake up. We better wake up. There are some people who are out there worse than the other person. But the other person who is not out there is bad. Don't just sit back with your leg crossed thinking, oh, I got it all together because, you know, I only got one sin over here. But them over there, they got two or three sins. God says one sin is all the same. There is no great and small sin. Yeah, in our flesh, we feel like it is. Yes, we do. But we still need to be motivated to say, cry out to God and say, God, deliver me. Yes, I'm not an adulteress, but God, I overeat. Yes, I'm not stealing from my job, but I lie to my children about where I'm going at night. We need to ask God to deliver us from everything that so easily besets us. For some people, it's easy for you to commit adultery. For some people, it's easy for you to fornicate. For some people like me, it's easy for me to sit down and eat a whole pizza. It's easy for me to put things in my body that I already know God is beginning to check me and tell me, now, you're not going to save none for later? You're going to eat the whole pie? And it's comfort eating. It's eating because it's eating out of habit. Oh, I got to eat every day at six o'clock. Says who? We need to honor God in every area of our lives. God, I'm used to. I was brought up eating at eight o'clock, 12 o'clock, three o'clock, six o'clock. But God, what do you say? You may want me to fast. So we need to check ourselves. We it's time out for trying to check everybody else. We need to check ourselves. And ask God to purify us with Holy Ghost fire. And if you are involved in any type of group, community, uh, activities, if it's in your family and you know your family is living foul, you know that there is sin in the camp and you know that if you say something, it's going to fall on dead ears. You need to begin to ask God to show you how to separate yourself because God doesn't want us to cast our pearls among swine. Why am I going to preach and teach and minister to a group of people, to somebody on my job? And I know that God has shown me they're not going to change. They don't want to change. They're content. They are complacent in where they are. Why are you going to waste what I have given you, which is my word that's precious? Why are you going to continue to pour it out on them? When I've told you I've turned my back on them, when I've told you I've turned them to over to themselves, we think that God won't do that. Why do we think that when his word says so, when God says that he will turn a person over to themselves. And to me, that says, ain't no sense in praying for you. Yeah, we can pray for you. But if God tells you that, ain't no, you don't, it's you pray for them all you want to, but I've turned my face away from them. I've turned them over to themselves. And we didn't know God is just, God won't know. God just won't. Oh God. Yes, he will. Oh yes, he will. Because God knows already who's going to receive him and who's not going to receive him. Who's going to die in their ways and who is going to make the choice to say, God, I've been wrong all my life 
And I need you not only as my savior, but I need you as my Lord. And when he is your Lord, you don't get to go wherever you want to go. You don't get to choose the who you can be friends to because you got to check with God and say, God, is this OK with you? God gave me a prime example the other day when I was doing something. I think it was yesterday and I was thinking about my career, my job. And I thought about people who just go from job to job like it's nothing. And, you know, I kind of already sensed that they don't pray and ask God to show them if they can leave a job, what job is for them. They just do it out of habit. And I thought I said, "Mm, my life is not my own. I don't have the luxury of going out there saying, oh, I'm going to quit my job and go find something else. No, I got to pray and ask God if it's okay because I've made the mistake in leaving a job when I shouldn't. So. God showed me, he said, your life is not your own. Everything you do in your life, I need to be honored. I need to be asked, what is it that you want me to do? So I've went over a little bit, but again, I hope I've said something that has blessed you, that has encouraged you. It is my honor to pour into you what God has poured into me. Please be kind to somebody today just because don't try to figure out their situation. Don't try to add up two plus two. Yeah, our flesh tells us I'm not doing nothing for them because they need to get up and do something. But you don't know what that person's background is. You don't know what they struggle with because rest assured, when you were in need, God touched somebody's heart to bless you and you didn't do everything that you were supposed to. It's called grace. It's called do something until God tells you to do otherwise. You all be blessed. It's bad out there. Make sure you on the Lord's side. Make sure you're not trying to water down God's word. Make sure that you take God's word for exactly what it's worth. God uses his word to build us up. He uses our word to correct us. He uses our word. His word is like a two-edged sword. As it cuts us and convicts us, it comes right back and it heals us up. And God packs us on our back and say, get up, baby. Come on. Keep on going. Yeah, I had to whoop you, but that's I whooped you because I love you because I don't want to see you outside of my will. This is serious. Y'all better get on the Lord's side and be on the Lord's side all the way because 99 and a half, it just won't do. And as I minister to you, I minister to myself. Be blessed. I'm signing off for real this time. I love you. Bye-bye.